Whether you're in North or South Carolina or anywhere else in the world, enter the Cat Cave with Ryan Frick and Michael Davis to listen to your favorite Carolina Panthers podcast as a part of the Keep Pounding Podcast Network, powered by the Fans First Sports Network, where you can hear other Panthers podcasts, such as the Believe in Panthers podcast, as well as Embrace Debate. As always, your guy, Bully Rye, otherwise known as Ryan Frick, here with my co-host, Michael Davis. Uh, Michael, there's not really a whole lot going on with Panthers, but how's everything going for you, man? Dude, it's going great. Uh, I was jiving to that music, that entrance theme right there. Oh my gosh, that was awesome. Um, super excited to be back inside the Cat Cave on the Keep Pound Podcast Network. You and I got a lot of stuff going on Wednesday, so uh, we'll talk some wrestling uh, a little later on on our shows. And you know, now it's, it's Panthers time, baby. Yeah, listen, um, we asked Dez for like a certain, I, this is going to kind of peek him behind the curtain. We asked our producer Dez about a new, um, a new or a different theme. And this is, this is kind of what he had for us. I'm kind of digging it. I don't know. I wanted to change it. Like it's, it's a nice little, like, you know, I want to keep it. Yeah. I, th- I think we should keep it. Um, something that Carolina Panthers are keeping is their tradition of having training camp at Wofford college here uh, in close to where I live now in Spartanburg, South Carolina, um, starting next week. Uh, Michael, Obviously, the the attention is going to be on Bryce Young. Um, But from your perspective, who should we be keeping our eyes on coming out of training camp starting next week? So usually, if you've watched the Cat Cave with myself, Michael Davis, and Ryan Frick, usually you'll hear Ryan, you know, hyping up his South Carolina Gamecocks, his homerism. And so I wanted to take a page out of your book today. And I wanted to mention somebody that is not being talked about. Even though he went to school for four years inside the North Carolina State, we are talking about not former Wolfpack. We're talking about a former Mountaineer. Yes, it's my time to be a homer. I'm talking about Cameron Peoples, the running back. Now, the reason I say Cameron Peoples is you look at the running back room right now. Uh, We've talked about, could they sign Dalvin Cook? Could they sign Ezekiel Elliott? They're obviously not signing star receiver DeAndre Hopkins anymore. Uh, But they just have Miles Sanders, who is a number one in this offense. You have Chuba Hubbard, but none of those guys really handle like the short yardage carries. Raheem Blackshear is a returner. Spencer Brown might not make the team. And then you have Cameron Peoples. If they do not make a move for Dalvin Cook or Ezekiel Elliott, that means they feel like they have the answer in-house. And if Cameron Peoples shows up to train camp, he stays healthy, and he proves he can hang in the NFL, he has the body for it, then he might slide in as you know somebody who can get time throughout this season just being a short yardage back. You know... At least the at least the Gamecocks that I mentioned that play for the Carolina Panthers have some starting experience, have some 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 
This is training camp. Yeah, this is yeah, where but... you get people to emerge. I don't know. This is just... Cameron's time. Yeah, it's sure. I mean, Bob, more power to you if he makes the roster. And my Cameron personal Peoples, opinion, Cameron Grimes, like we oh, got yeah. it, man. So you taking Cameron Peoples to the moon? Is that what you're saying? To the moon, baby, and to the 53 man roster. Well, that's that's some that's some high praise. Thinking that you, that he's going to make the 53 man roster. Um, listen. Again, the obvious name is Bryce Young. Um, I am looking in, in, in is it Terrace? Is it Terrace Marshall, the wide receiver that we've talked about on the show a few times? He's the guy that I'm looking for in training camp. We've talked about the 15. It seems like they continue to get more wide receivers in that wide receiver room. And Terrace Marshall is entering, entering year three, year four, uh, with I believe it's year three with the Carolina Panthers. They drafted him, I believe, first or second round just a couple of years ago. Uh, so when you when you're looking at guys that need to step up um, before they get shipped out, he's he's obviously the, the number one guy. Um, I'm also looking at guys, and again, I, I hate to keep dwelling on Gamecocks. I'm looking at guys like Hayden Hurst uh, as he is he healed from his injury that he dealt with in the offseason. I'm looking at, at Cam Smith, another the star, you know, a, what could, could be a star defensive back that we've talked about, dealt with injuries his entire career. I want to see if he can stay healthy through the duration of training camp. So a lot of stuff going on, uh, a lot of stuff to pay attention to going into training camp. Now, now question, because I do want to mention, you did mention DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he is now signed with the Tennessee Titans, where wide receivers go to die. Names like Julio Jones, Randy Moss. Uh, there's another guy that's coming to mind. That, Andre that, Johnson. That's it, Andre Johnson. Um, I do want to ask if there's, uh, there, there's, there's one question I want to pose. But before I get there, you know, they were supposed to be doing a training facility outside of Rock Hill um, in South Carolina. Uh, that was that was sort of the South Carolina. It was supposed to be the South Carolina headquarters for the Carolina Panthers. Do you think there's ever going to be a time where the Panthers don't do a training camp in Wofford and maybe they sort of do a tour of the upstate or, or of South Carolina in general and hold training camp in different places around the state to sort of um, reach out and appeal to the South Carolinians as this is your team too? Well, before I answer that, how long have they been doing this at Wofford? If I'm not mistaken, they've been doing it since uh, you, of course you had to put me on the spot. I want to say they've been doing it since the inception of the program of, of, of the franchise. Now they did play their first year at Clemson, mm-hmm. um, which is the opposite. If you're, if you if you don't know the geography of South Carolina, You've got Spartanburg over here. Uh, Anderson or Clemson is the complete opposite direction. Like it's, believe it or not, like a two-hour drive depending on traffic. So um, I, I want to say since then they've been doing it at Wofford. But so yeah, the, it's, it's been going on for a while. The reason I say that is like it is a great marketing strategy if you're trying to get the Carolinas invested and make South Carolina feel like they have an NFL team. To like travel around, go to Wofford, go to, you know, Cl- go to all these places, go to South Carolina where your game carts are and have those train camps there. But then you get the traditional mindset of this is where it's always been held. You have people getting season tickets every year. You have people attending this train camp every year. I don't know if it does better for the organization or if it rocks the boat with these traditionalists who have been going to Wofford for the train camp and they start turning on their own franchise. 
So listen, it's Carolina's in a much it's in a different situation than anybody anybody else in the league. Uh Tampa, you're you're gonna have the same people going to going to watch Tampa. It's not like first of all, Tampa's not the only team in Florida. I mean, you got the Dolphins. Um, then you know, you you think the Falcons, like obviously that's in Atlanta. So there's your Georgia team. Um, you've got the Titans in Tennessee. Like it seems like uh, and then New England, obviously, all of New England's encompassed with with the Patriots. So I think the Panthers are in a unique situation where obviously they try to invest and they try to move some of their their office facilities and whatnot into the state of South Carolina. And so I feel like, yes, from a traditionalist standpoint, it would make sense to keep it at Wofford every year. But to your point, like, why not like alternate years? Like do one year at Wofford, do one year at South Carolina, go back to Wofford. Do a year at Clemson, go back to Wofford. Do you want a college or at, at the Citadel down in Charleston? Uh, go, I mean, there's go to go to Coastal Carolina and go to the beach and do training camp. There's plenty of places. Why, why, why are you making that face about if you're watching on, on our YouTube channel uh, uh, over on Tobacco Road Sports Radio? Um, Michael's making a face. What, what, what? About Coastal Carolina rubbed you the wrong way when I mentioned them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coastal and App are bitter rivals. I went to App State, roll nears. It's weird because I just visited uh, basically a second family to mine, uh, you know, down at Polly's Island, and everywhere there's Coastal Carolina. It just, that's, that's the worst part of it. It just makes me sick. But, no, like, it, it could be, you know, a nice medium of, like, okay, Wofford is the home and gets it every other year. Like, we're not completely ditching it. But you still got to figure out a different way to market to all these teams, especially more than just, like, once a year or once every four years. I mean, I think it would be a huge, a huge opportunity for, you know, obviously Clemson, South Carolina maybe don't necessarily need the recognition. But if you have training camp at the Citadel down in Charleston, um, over in Myrtle Beach at Coastal or Conway over at Coastal Carolina. Um, you know, we're already doing it at Wofford. Maybe instead of Wofford, do one at Furman one year. Furman's right down the road from Wofford here in Greenville. So, um, yeah, there's, I think there's, there's places to do it. And, and I, I, again, to sort of buck tradition, I would love to see, um, maybe sort of a Carolina Panthers training camp tour where they, they alternate from year to year and go different places again to appeal to a wider fan base than that of just the upstate in South Carolina and, uh, and obviously the Charlotte and all of North Carolina for that matter. Um, before we move on, uh, Michael, I didn't want to pose one more question uh, to beat the dead horse. DeAndre Hopkins no longer on the table to be signed by the Carolina Panthers. You already mentioned both Dalvin Gook and Ezekiel Elliott are unsigned. I don't see anybody signing Ezekiel Elliott prior to the season starting, but Dalvin Cook is, is not, past his prime as of yet. Um, and again, I'm going to throw out a homer named Jadavian Clowney remains unsigned. And I think he's still got some, some, some stuff left in the tank. Um, going into fall camp, do you think the Panthers need to go out and sign anybody else? If for nothing more, just depth to get some of these guys ready for the regular season or even preseason for that matter. And, Again, you know, we've mentioned this on the show before. And it's not just, I hate on social media where people are like, oh, this guy, and I know his name, let's just go sign him. Like, oh my gosh, like, that's a top 10 talent, da, da, da. I know his name. He 
he he won like defensive rookie of the year his first year, and he hasn't done anything since in seven years. But oh my gosh, I saw him on social media. You don't want to get guys just for that reason. Mm. If you look at this Panthers team, if you look at how this team is structured, they have a lot of rookies. They're really young, and those key position groups we mentioned running back. We mentioned receiver a little bit. You know, we obviously have Adam Thielen uh, there as a veteran. Defensively, you need veterans on your team to influence these young guys, help train them up so you're actually developing who you've invested draft picks and your future capital in. Like, to draw comparisons to the NBA, like the Miami Heat, for example, okay? Kevin Love... Got acquired by the Heat, you know, midway through the year. Well, why did they do that? Because a lot of these guys are undrafted and never tasted success. It's not that you're expecting Kevin Love to drop 20 and 15 each game. But no, he's there to mentor the young guys. And I felt like Dalvin Cook could come in and mentor. I feel like Ezekiel Elliott can come in, mentor. They also feel like a role in terms of, Ezekiel Elliott's a good team player. He's a good locker room guy. That's what he proved in Dallas. And they fill a role. DeAndre Hopkins, in that regard, he's a top 10 receiver steal. Unquestionable. What's, so what's funny is that they, there was a stat that was put on social media that until DeAndre Hopkins had been signed, the, the, the player on the roster with the most touchdown receptions was actually Mike Vrabel. <laughs> on that team. Um, no, I mean, listen. But I will say, this is a Titans podcast, but I was I was talking to my buddy Shannon. You know, we were on the road a couple days ago. I was like, this was right before the D-Hop, you know, signing became official, and we're like, this is Jaguars division to lose. Houston's got nothing. Like, Indy's got nothing. They both have rookie quarterbacks. Tennessee's the only one, but they don't have anybody for Tannehill to throw to, so – they're going to stack the box. Now you got D Hop. That gives the Titans a legitimate chance at competing for the division title. We can agree to disagree there. I do want to mention you. I, I want to mention to your point that the Panthers need. They don't just need to fill bodies. They need veteran leadership. They actually just went out and signed Taylor Stallworth, who spent the last two years in Indianapolis with Frank Reich, um, to to help bolster us even more so that defensive line and to add more veteran leadership. They released a defensive back to make room for Stallworth. Um, should be as a note. He was a former Gamecock as well. But to my, to, to my point, like, I think there are some guys there. There are some positions that they could bring in to push some of the younger guys. I, I mean, I think, I think Dalvin cook is, if not like someone to come in and start, like, cause again, there's a lot of conversation going on around the NFL right now when it comes to running backs right now uh, with, with the players who have not gotten contract extensions being that of Saquon Barkley or uh, Tony Pollard in Dallas, um, that the biggest contract signing for a running back this offseason was in fact Miles Sanders here in Carolina. Uh, so I feel like there's an opportunity, especially with a guy like Miles Sanders coming off a career, se- career uh, season this past year, um, to add a guy like Dalvin Cook to keep both of them fresh. I mean, the Cleveland Browns have spent the last, what, four or five years with two starting running backs on their roster and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Why can't Carolina do it? 
And Kareem so, Hunt on his second contract. Yep. So I, I, up to your point, I think I personally think, and I'm not just saying it, I think the Panthers could benefit from bringing in Dalvin Cook. I think Ezekiel Elliott is a lost cause. Great. He's a, he's a, he's a locker room leader, whatever the case is. A locker room leader isn't going to produce on the field. Uh, so I would prefer Dalvin Cook to Ezekiel Elliott. But I think, I think there's some, some parts that Carolina can go grab um, to, to add some, to add some, some roster depth. Uh, to, to really push some of these guys. And maybe, you know, you never know. Maybe some guys are going to surprise some people and make roster spots like the running back from App State that you mentioned earlier in the show. Um, Michael, you mentioned uh, that the Titans, you think, have a legitimate chance to be the team to, to sort of retake the AFC South. Um, let's talk about our predictions coming from the NFC South and let's do a 2023 record prediction for the Carolina Panthers. Um, if you listen to tap out some touchdowns, we're going to be doing uh, a full-on NFL preview this week where Banker Bill and I are going to be doing uh, team-by-team predictions. So I've already got my Carolina Panthers record predicting for this season. So, Michael, what do you think a realistic record for the Carolina Panthers going into the season are? So are we talking record? like We're talking X wins and, and losses. Okay. We're not talking about place in division or anything. No, we're talking wins and losses. Okay, if we're going through, um, we got week one uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, let's see if we can. Uh, you get yeah, you've got the Falcons, then the Saints, and the Seahawks, and the Vikings to, to finish out the first four weeks of the season. I'm looking. I've got New Orleans uh, predicted. I've got Tampa Bay predicted. Yeah, it's um to me, it's a two headed race in the NFC South, but um. If you want to do the math real quick, I'll tell you right now, I've got the Panthers uh, going 11 and six this year. Um, I've got them starting off three and one through the first four weeks with a loss coming at Seattle. Um, I think they're going to hit a snag uh, right before the bye week with uh, really big games, both on the road at Detroit and at the Miami Dolphins. People, people are so quick to forget that the Dolphins last season, prior to the injury to Tua Tunga Bailoa, they, not the Kansas City Chiefs, not the Buffalo Bills. The Miami Dolphins were the last undefeated team in the AFC. Mm. So I think the Panthers are going to struggle with them as well before they get into their bye week. But they get a pretty a pretty easy road uh, coming off the bye with games uh, hosting Houston, Indianapolis, and then traveling to Chicago before they run into your Dallas Cowboys that I've given them the loss there um, at home to the Cowboys. Um, before finishing out the season with games, uh, two games against Tampa Bay, uh, two more divisional games at New Orleans hosting Atlanta, and then they get to go to Tennessee that you just mentioned, and they get to host the Green Bay Packers, um, as well as as traveling to Jacksonville in Week 17. I've got them again going 11 and six. Um, I'll give you sort of a spoiler on on where that winds up, but but Michael, does that sound kind of? Uh, I don't know. Does that sound like something that that kind of fits your narrative? Yeah. Let, let's go through it, shall we? Um, we're looking on the Panthers.com itself. Um, and so week one, I think a lot of people are doubting Atlanta. I think As it's they should a, be. I think it's Atlanta, not New Orleans, that Carolina should be scared of. Oh, Michael, we almost, we almost got through an episode of this show without you frustrating me. 
No. Why I'm... in the world would you think the Falcons are the team to be worried about over the over the Saints? Okay, Saints, Derek Carr couldn't do it with Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, who were healthy. So you really think he's going to be able to do it with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas? Michael Thomas hasn't been around for four years, it feels like. Atlanta? Okay, who do the Falcons have? Okay, Atlanta, really young running back in Bijan Robinson. Okay, he might be overrated. He might be undervalued. Okay, but we usually see the best year out of rookie running backs, especially first-rounders. Okay, you have Desmond Ritter, who if they commit to, okay, and then you have Drake London, you have Kyle Pitts. That way, like having this full training camp, having this full offseason, knowing Desmond Ritter's your guy, I feel like this Atlanta game is a trap game. And I feel the Panthers start out 0-1, but they bounce back and beat the Saints. Now they are 1-1. So Listen, I, I, I know we want to go through the schedule here, but like, you mean to tell me that you think Desmond Ritter has a better shot to knock off the Panthers than Derek Carr? Yes. I want I want to drink what you're drinking, man. Like where where are you where are you buying your liquor from? Yeah, like, I got some Gator Light right here to stay no, hydrated. I'm just, but <laughs> I'm just saying, like, how... we're gonna have to talk about this on another show. Let's finish going <laughs> we, through the schedule. We need more than thirty minutes sometimes. Yeah. Um, Seattle, okay, Seattle, very tough place to play. Rookie quarterback, I think that's an L. Yeah, go one and two. Okay, Minnesota, I think Minnesota is one of those teams. Minnesota and the Giants. They won a lot of close games last year, games they shouldn't have won. And so usually after that, the next year, they, you know, go the opposite way. So I think Carolina beats Minnesota, goes two and two. Detroit, Detroit's tough. Detroit's really tough. Um, it's in Detroit. I'm okay. Okay. Don't Sorry. get us canceled. Don't get us canceled. <laughs> Not like I have a Cowboys uh Des Bryant thing behind me, but Detroit, that's where they go two and three. Okay. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Okay. Just lost Detroit. They're two and three. Miami, I think this is a toss up. It's in Miami in October. I think it's a toss up, but I'm giving the edge to Caroline to get momentum going in to the bye week. Okay. So So they're three and three. Yeah, we got the same record just with different teams to wins and losses. That's fine. yeah, <laughs> just right. the exact opposite, right? Yeah. And here's where it starts. Yeah. Week seven by Houston. I think Bryce Young has much more talent surrounding him than CJ Stroud. That's a win. Agreed. Indianapolis. Yep. Okay, you just beat the number two pick. Now go beat the number four pick. Again, more talent surrounded by Carolina. That's a win. So yep. now we're at five and three. We're getting momentum. Chicago. I. I really think Chicago, Justin Fields is pretty overrated. I, All I, right. I think Justin Fields is overrated. You're redeeming yourself. He's a okay. good running back. He's he's the next Lamar Jackson. So okay, so we're at four and three, five and three, Chicago, six and three. six and three. Okay. The only thing that worries me is this is a November game at night. That's the only thing that concerns me. Dallas. Everybody knows where I lean with Dallas. Okay. Carolina's not beating Dallas. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, well, listen, I'm I, listen, I, I gave him the L to Dallas, too. That's fine. I, I get it. Yeah. 
They got they got it to Dallas, but after that three game win streak, they finally drop one for the first time in over a month. Um, so that is six and four. That sounds six about and right. four. Six and four. Tennessee. Okay, now they got D Hop. They got Derrick Henry. Okay, but they should have momentum enough to where they beat Tennessee and go seven and four right there. Okay, now they're looking good. Yep. Tampa Bay. There ain't no way they lose in Tampa Bay. Garbage. Yep. Dark garbage. Eight and four. Okay. Saints. They beat the Saints earlier in the year. Saints get one back, tie it up. Nine. No, eight and five. Eight and five. I'm terrible at math. I'm good at sports. We were, okay. we were, we were six and six going to the Dallas game or uh, six and three going to the Dallas game. Uh, six and four. We go seven and four, eight and four. Uh, you're thinking New Orleans gets it back. So eight and five. Yep, that's right. Eight and five. Okay. Well, they lost the Lennon game earlier in the year. They get that one back. So ten right now you're at ten and five. All right. Or ten and four. No, no we're still nine, ten and five. Nine. We're ten and five. We're not ten and five. That's week fifteen. All right. Continue. All right. We'll, that's figure, nine, we'll figure it out. That's nine and five. Nine and five. Nine and five. Okay. Green Bay. It's at home. That's a dub. Ten and five. Jacksonville, a loss. Jacksonville's a loss, especially on the road. That's 10-6. And then you got Tampa Bay. Tampa. Now, every time Week 18 comes around, it's very fishy, right? It's very fishy. You don't know who's playing. You don't know what they're fighting for. Carolina could win or lose this game. Okay? Right now at 10-6. I think if everybody plays and they're still fighting for something they can win this game baker's probably not even starting for the bucks at this point it's whoever they find um so i'm get i'm giving this team 11 and 6 and they should get this division yep i listen we, we're both there like i've i've we both got them sitting at 11 and 6 just different wins and losses um spoiler alert uh to anybody that's going to listen to uh, tap outs and touchdowns this week I do have the Panthers winning the division, which means that they are going to make the playoffs, um, which sort of spoils the next question. Michael, I'm assuming at 11 and six, you think that's going to be good enough for them to make the playoffs as well, correct? Oh, yeah. Like Caroline gets in 11 and six. Atlanta's probably like a nine win team, like nine and eight. You're hilarious. I, yeah, I just, eight, nine, I nine and eight. I, dude, so Atlanta. I'm going to get. I'm going to give you my NFC South predictions right now. And I, I'm going to pull a Paul Heyman. It's not a prediction. It's a spoiler. If you go and listen to my tap outs and touchdowns episode where I recapped my predictions in 2022 for the NFL, I was almost dead on accurate with about six of the divisions. Um, right now, I've got the Panthers winning the division at 11 and six with the New Orleans Saints coming in second place at 10 and seven. And then I've got the Bucks and the Falcons both at three and 14. The you fact that the fact that's why when you tell me that the Falcons are the team to be worried about over the saints, it's astonishing to me. You don't because think Kyle, the, you don't Kyle think the Falcons win four no, games. No, Kyle, listen, first of all, Kyle Pitts um, was supposed to be this, this, the most dynamic tight end ever drafted. I mean, he was the highest, highest tight end drafted in, in, in many, many years. I uh, didn't play a full season last year. Did still doesn't have a good quarterback to throw him the ball. They thought Marcus Mariota was going to be the guy to get him going. That never happened. 
they had a converted running back in Cordero Patterson, who is a wide receiver. He's got a wide receiver body playing wide receiver last year, so much to the point that they had to go and draft Bijan Robinson. Again, when you don't have anybody to throw the ball to outside of Kyle Pitts, you're not going to be able to open the open that up for a guy like Bijan Robinson. Desmond Ritter is is garbage. He's going to be terrible. When the foul, and and as the quarterback goes, the team follows, which is why a Baker Mayfield led Bucks team is going to win three games this year, and a Desmond Ritter led Falcons team is going to be a three win team. I wouldn't be surprised if they went and tried to re-sign Marcus Mariota in Week Six just because they know that Ritter's not the answer. Um. Ritter is the answer. And if worse came to worse and they went to their backup, Taylor Heineke, who was actually something special in Washington and they, you know, messed that up, then, dude, yeah, like they didn't have a, they lost their receiver, their star receiver, Calvin Ridley. They didn't have anybody. Now you have Drake London. Okay. You don't have a lot outside of that. Who's a better receiver, Drake London or Calvin Ridley? I appreciate you making my point. Thank you. Um, we're up against it, so let's let's pose our final question for the night. Uh, we both have the Panthers finishing eleven and six, which, at least in my opinion, makes them a playoff team. We think we both think eleven and six is good enough to win the NFC South. So, having said that, who does the pressure fall on the most in order for the Panthers to make a long playoff run? Um, again, if we've got them both, make if we both have them making the playoffs. Who does the pressure not fall on? Is it the head coach? Is it Bryce Young? Is it the running? Like, who who do you see the pressure falling on the most here for the Panthers to make a run at the Super Bowl this year? I would say there's no pressure. This is a team who hasn't tasted the postseason in eight years. Last time the Panthers were in the playoffs, Dak Prescott wasn't even in the league. Tony Romo was the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Dang. That, that that's how long ago it was. I don't think there's pressure. I think there's pressure for Bryce to prove that he was the guy at number one. But when you look at this team, they they should win the division. But I don't see anyone like getting axed or them being on the hot seat after this year. They're figuring out who they are. They're good enough to win the division. And, you know, if it doesn't happen this year, it will happen next year. I think the pressure is going to fall on the defense because they had a really good defense last year. Um, a running game that got better somehow when they traded away Christian McCaffrey. Uh, none of those running backs are back this year, so I don't think the pressure falls on them. I think Bryce Young being in his rookie season, the pressure cannot fall on him. This He's going to have some learning learning, and, and growing pains this coming season. So I think ultimately the, the pressure falls entirely on the defense. A good defense with a lot of returning players, a lot of really good players coming into this defense, they're going to have to play really well to have an opportunity to knock off teams like Jacksonville, Seattle, Miami, Detroit, Dallas. Like they've got some, they've got some really good teams on the schedule, but they also have some really bad teams on the schedule. And I think that helps propel them to a to being a playoff team because we mentioned it plenty of times on this show and on other shows that the Panthers were a game out of making the playoffs last year. And now you add the number one draft pick in Bryce Young. You add a lot of pieces in Adam Thielen, Hayden Hurst, and Miles Sanders. So a, a lot of a lot of hope uh, coming for the Panthers uh, this coming season. And we'll, uh, we probably won't get to see them quite into training camp the next time we record. Uh, so we'll have to come up with some, some more, some more, uh, I don't know, some more content to, to provide for our next show. Yeah, Michael, tell, 
tell the fans where they can find you. You can f- find me anywhere. Uh, Instagram, I got, you know, out pocket underscore TRSR and drop the mic wrestling that out pocket on Friday afternoons at four. We're talking football, basketball. We'll slip some wrestling in here and there. And then drop the mic wrestling fully dedicated to a wrestling podcast where you'll find Ryan Frick on this Wednesday afternoon. All my stuff's on Tobacco Road Sports Radio's YouTube channel. So go subscribe. Don't miss out on my and Ryan's episode with Drop the Mic this week. Also, having Shannon on as well. But, Ryan, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on social media, facebook.com slash tapouts and touchdowns. Again, tapouts and touchdowns is available weekly on the Tobacco Road Sports Radio Network. Uh, two days a week, we've got wrestling shows that normally drop on Wednesdays and football shows that drop Thursday or Fridays. Um, but you can find us on facebook.com slash tapouts and touchdowns and on Twitter at tapouts and TDs. You can look, search for tapouts and touchdowns on YouTube to find that as well. Uh, but make sure you go and follow the Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel where you can see this show and more uh, on that platform as well. But ladies and gentlemen, we are against it. So as of this time, please exit the cat cave until next week, but listen to more content by myself and Michael on the Tobacco Road Sports Radio Network's YouTube channel and more Carolina-centric podcasts on the Keep Pounding Podcast Network, powered by the Fans First Sports Network. For Michael Davis, it's Ryan Frick. We'll see you next time right here on the Cat Cave.